Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Let me take just a few seconds here to tell you about my brand new e-commerce course uh, that is perfectly designed for those of you who are looking to build your own online business, right? I know it's going to work well for you guys because we deep dive into the process that I use to build my own e-commerce businesses. We're going to look at the six key elements that you need to be aware of for building a successful online store. I'm utterly convinced it'll make a huge difference to your business. I am super proud of it let me tell you and it is brand new for 2020 it's called the e-commerce masterclass you can check out what other people think about the course you can find out more information on my site at mattedmondson.com well hello good evening and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. It's great you could join us. And uh, wherever you are around the world listening to the show, uh, I hope you're you're safe and I hope you're having a good day. Uh, it's been an interesting day here in Liverpool, uh, but it's not going to be as exciting as this evening. Now, at the time of recording, it is evening and we are recording live here in Liverpool, England. We are broadcasting live across Facebook as well. So if you join us in the Facebook Live, it's great to see you, great that you're here. Um, This show, for those of you who don't know, is designed for folks who run e-commerce businesses or who are thinking of setting up an e-commerce business, you know, or or have been like me around e-commerce quite a while. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm pretty old in the tooth when it comes to e-commerce. 2002 was when I started, uh, which in dog years is a very long So uh, that's what this show is all about, helping you thrive online. That's what we do. And every week we have some special guests come and join us and we're going to have some great discussions around different topics to do with e-commerce. And tonight is no exception. I am super excited about tonight's guest, Pori Welsh. Now, in the pre-call with Pori, we had a great time, just really connected. So I know it's going to be a good show with him tonight. We are talking about behavioral psychology and the impact that this has on e-commerce. Oh my goodness, you are going to want to pay attention and get ready for this because <laughs> let me tell you, I, I learned a lot just in the pre-call. So goodness knows what's going to happen tonight. Uh, no pressure, pouring, by the way, but you know, we've got it going on. Now, before we get into the interview, it is of course uh, without, uh, well, it's, of course, I say it's with course. We have show sponsors who make this show possible. And I was just about to say, obviously we have that. It's not always obvious, Um, but we do. We have some great show sponsors uh, who enable us to do this, the e-commerce podcast. And so let's just give a big shout out to those. And then we will be back with our very special guest. Let me give a big shout out to one of our show sponsors, Curious Digital. You know what? I love its flexibility. It's such a great platform. You know how when you start out, you might typically use an online platform because they're cheap, they're easy to use, super accessible. But you know what? They aren't that flexible. And as your business grows, you end up moving to an agency, right? because that's just what you do. And at some point, you're going to have this nightmare to deal with, and it can be incredibly expensive. 
And the thing for me that I love about KD is it will grow with you. You can start out on the platform easily and as your business grows, then KD will adapt with you. Now, I don't know of any other platform that does all of that. So if you're in the market for a new e-commerce platform, make sure you follow the links from mattedmondson.com. Take advantage of the offers that they've got for you and uh, let me know what you think. A big shout out to another show sponsor, The Lightbulb Agency. These guys basically do those bits of e-commerce that you either don't want to do or don't have the skills or expertise to do, right? It's a great service. Let me tell you, these guys do fulfillment, e-commerce marketing, content creation, customer service, product research. I mean, the list goes on. So if you need help with your own online business, you're looking for ways to grow and you need some help to get there, do get in touch with them. And again, just follow the links from today's show notes. Head on over to mattedmondson.com and you can follow the links to the Lightbulb Agency would love to put you in touch with those guys. Okay, thanks to our sponsors. Now, if you are a regular listener to our show, you will know that one of our favorite guests of all time is Chloe, Chloe Thomas, who has her own podcast. Now, Chloe has started a brand new podcast. And so she sent me this little video uh, about the podcast, which I'm going to play for you now. Uh, if you're listening in the car, by the way, don't worry, because you, you're going to get the audio. That's fine. You don't need to see it. Uh, but let me bring in Chloe, who is just going to tell you about her new podcast. Hi, I'm Chloe Thomas, host of the brand new Keep Optimizing Marketing podcast. Three reasons to tune in and have a listen. Number one, each month we focus on a different marketing method, a whole month, one marketing method. Two, each Wednesday, we put live a new audio episode with an expert on that marketing method. Number three, at the end of each month, we get all our experts together to do a live webinar where you can ask them your questions. Okay, so that's Chloe talking about a new podcast. Make sure you check it out. I am slightly biased because I am one of the guests on the show. That's why I know it's going to be good. Okay, <laughs> little ego boost uh, out of the way. Now, as I said at the start, we have a great guest on tonight's show, and I want to jump straight into this. The title of tonight's show is How to Improve Your E-Commerce Website with Behavioral Design. And my notes here say when it comes to e-commerce, behavioral psychology is more relevant than ever. Oh, yes. From power words to colorful calls to action to genuine interest in our customers. Uh, Paul Rig Welsh joins us to help get our heads, our heads? I don't know what a heg is, or heads around the role of consumer psychology in e-commerce and how to improve our online presence with behavioral design. I'm looking forward to this. So without further ado, let me press this button here and bring Porig onto the screen. Here he is. Porig, great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Great to see you too, Matt. Um, I'm calling all the way from sunny-ish Dunleary in County Dublin in Ireland. Yes, is it sunny over there? It has been great. All week has been great. And I have been working until eight o'clock every evening. So I haven't seen much of it, but it's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> the one good week we get in Dublin and I'm flat You're working out. crazy hours. Now, yeah. why are you working crazy hours? 
So my, my job is a behavioral psychologist, Matt, and I have always been intrigued about human behavior. Mm. To think about how seductive it can be to think about why we do things and to study that, to think that there is a science to this that you can learn about and use to help people uh, is just so good to me. So, so I work across so many, lots of different settings. I work in educational settings, in healthcare settings, in industry. I work in uh, e-commerce by, by having online courses. And I, I do a lot of lecturing in third level institutions as well. And on top of that, for my sins, I also do some podcasts uh, as well. So, yeah, it's, it's very diverse. It's very busy. It's very, very enjoyable. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy it. So thanks a million for having me on today. No, no, it's great. I appreciate you being on here. Now, in our sort of uh, what our, uh, our listeners won't know is we get on the phone like 15 minutes before we go live. So all of that intro with the sponsors and all that sort of stuff, me introing the show you actually sit and watch that and you sit nice and quietly and all that sort of stuff and it's great uh, but in our sort of pre-live call um you were telling me about this podcast that you've got called the behavioral vaccine is that right yeah the behavioral vaccine i do it with a colleague of mine kate feeney who works in organizational psychology and we decided so kate and i actually like i was telling you we're swimming buddies so we swim in dunleary she's a neighbor she's a drinking buddy but she's also a colleague as well yeah. we've done a uh, improv comedy together so about i'd say eight months ago kate approached me and said you know the way we we like psychology and we like Mick acting and, and doing improv. Let's do a stand-up show together based upon some of the crazy human behavior that we see in our everyday lives. And, and look at that. And I said, yeah, Kate, but you got to be funny to do stand-up. I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, rule but, number one to stand-up, be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I don't like having that as the advertisement for your show. So I said, what about a podcast? That's nice and easy. We can take our yeah. work with where Kate is so knowledgeable about organizational psychology and I just love behavioral psychology. I love sharing that information and making it digestible and understandable and relevant for people. So when we came together, we said, let's do this instead. So we've been doing a podcast called The Behavior of Vaccine. The reason we called that was because at the time, we it was around the start of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. And we, didn't, we don't have a medical So it's quite vaccine. a new podcast. It's quite a new podcast, yeah. Yeah, see, it's 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 just kind of my avoiding going up on stage doing any stand-up <laughs> podcasts, you know? But have you actually done stand-up? We do improv comedy. So Kate and I would have performed at the Edinburgh Fringe and around the Dublin oh, no improvs. Way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So we, we've, we've done that. Uh, we just did a show, actually, on Tuesday night. So there's a, a show in Dublin called Bright Club. It's in Dublin and in mm. Galway. If anyone knows Ireland, Galway's on the other side. And it's sponsored by Science Foundation Ireland. Uh, and it's called Bright Club. So it's like a combination of TED Talks and comedians. So yeah. we have comedians doing their set combined and mixed in. It's like almost duping people into learning something, you know? <laughs> you put on a comedian and, and then you put on somebody who's really talented 
And then you put some jerk like me in to talk about behavioral science in between there. So that was what we were doing on Tuesday night. But again, it feeds into this idea that we can make behavioral science relevant for people and make it digestible and accessible so that people can take that information and use it. And at the, at the time, I suppose, the behavioral vaccine name or title came up because we didn't have a medical vaccine. But we know that a knowledge of behavioral science can be so good for our own health, for our okay. own wellness. And there was no no more greater example of that than the biggest behavioural intervention in the world, which was around the pandemic, where yeah. we had to go down, changing fundamental individual habits like shaking hands, staying two metres apart, wearing masks. But also group behaviour was really interesting and still is really interesting to see how group behaviour is influenced by messaging from, on, from, from people in charge, how we look to others to get clues about what the expectations are. Mm. Do I keep my distance if I see other people doing it despite the guidance being one thing? Am I more influenced by my peers and by others around? me. So Behavioural Vaccine looks at that and it looks at how wow. these things now become more salient because of this, I suppose, pandemic. But this is always, we're always behaving. Humans are always behaving. In fact, in behaviour analysis, there's a term called the dead man's test. And the if dead a dead man's man, test, the dead man's test, if if a dead man can't, if a dead man can't do it, it's not behaviour. Is that right? That if, if everything else we do when we're living is it can be classified as behavior. Okay. Uh, so let we so can, if it can't be done, then the dead, basically. Thank you. That was exactly what I was trying to say. Okay. <laughs> the dead man's test. I remember that. The dead man's test. Now you know what, Porig? I am super tempted just to go off on one around the whole COVID pandemic thing, because I'm just fascinated by it. But I this is an e-commerce podcast. I have to rein myself in a little bit. Yeah. Um but what uh, Maybe we'll, if we have time, we'll get into that. But fundamentally, right, what has behavioral psychology got to do then with e-commerce? I understand what it's got to do with COVID, like as you talk about in group settings and individual settings and, you know, not shaking hands and all that sort of stuff. Hmm. How does it work fundamentally online? Why should an e-commerce business owner be concerned? Well, we're looking at online behavior. It's, it's essentially the same principles that are used for consumer behavior. Behavioral science is interested in why we make particular decisions over others. When any human behavior that occurs is motivated by its consequences, it's influenced by our prior experiences and the environment that we find ourselves in. Now, if you walk into a shop, shops are set up in a particular way, informed by behavioral science, to lead you towards particular either habitual behaviors or specific buying behaviors. And it's the exact same on an e-commerce website. An e-commerce website is taking that physical shop and it's putting it online. So this has to be informed by what what prompts are you giving people to influence their behavior? Are you understanding what a person wants? How are you actually engaging with an individual to understand their motivations? Because all of our behavior is driven so much by our motivations. And how do we understand those on an e-commerce website? What does the construction of that site look like? Yeah. How does it make people feel? What does the wording tell us? And there's loads that we'll, we'll get into as we talk. Yeah, but yeah there's a lot of details we're going to get into tonight. So I'm, I'm excited to get there. But I'm curious, you mentioned about how um, shops are designed, there's a sort of behavioral psychology in, in stores, in actual retail stores designed to get us to buy. What are some of the more um, interesting ways they do that that maybe we're not aware of? 
Well, okay. So, so let's let's think about our our own brains first and how they influence our behavior. Okay. So there are. So let's think about the very basic reptilian brain. At we call it system one. It's our unconscious brain. These are the things that drive our behavior. We can also call it our emotional brain. Okay. okay? So this mode this drives so much of our behavior. Um, Without us even knowing, we have automatic habits that are driven by this unconscious brain. But we love to think ourselves as rational people. <laughs> I like a rational person. And I ain't going to be fooled by anything that happens. Yeah. So we often have this conscious brain, which we call our system two brain. It's our higher functioning brain. It's contained in our frontal yeah. lobe, what makes us human. Animals are driven by this unconscious uh, brain, this emotive brain. I told you we just got a puppy and yeah. she is driven. By food, she is driven by those very. She, we, I tried to take her out for a walk, and she was afraid of the buses. So all, so much of her behavior is driven by those primal instincts. Yep. Okay, now those make us feel a particular way when we go into a shop. We feel like we are going to be influenced so much by our conscious decisions that we are going to go in and make conscious decisions. But we know that by shops having particular goods, you try and go in and buy a, a, a pint of milk. I don't know if it's the same in the UK. I assume that it is for my time there. And you go into Lidl and you'll see, where is the milk? Is it there in a place that I can easily access and move away from? No, it's right at the back of the store yeah. where I have to walk past all of these fantastic DIY tools, these frozen goods, yeah. all of these things that I need to, to do, to purchase. You will also see product sellers wanting to get their product in the most um, salient viewpoint mm -hmm. in that point where we are most likely to see it. And this feeds into what we would call our availability bias. We are more likely to choose things that we are familiar with. You take during the, the, the pandemic, for instance, and we started to, we all went into lockdown and then we started to see other people out and about. It would, they were more available. We could see people out yeah. more and more often. And we started to think, well, everybody's out. Everybody is out. Products are placed at a particular level so that we see them more and more. Advertisers pay huge amounts for this. Shops are set up in a way that we have to bypass those goods that are paying a premium to be seen. And this feeds into our unconscious brain that we become more familiar with these products. They start to feed into uh, lots and lots of, of different, I suppose, primal uh, instincts that we would have. And it's designed to try and influence our rational brain. Okay, so um, so the going back to your little example where you have a little swig of water. If we go back to that example of the milk, the milk is at the back intentionally. Hmm. Somebody somewhere went, let's test this. This is a good idea to put it back here. Now, we, yeah. we as a consumer might go, oh, it's really annoying. It's all the way at the back. Yeah, but it's it's not an accident. They're not trying to wind you up. There are definite reasons why it is there. No, as humans, we will meander towards the path of least resistance. So we will try and get the maximum reward for as little effort as possible. And if we are, if we have a choice of going towards the back of little to pick up the the milk we'll often be influenced by other things along the way, how they are presented, the lighting that is put on those to make them stand out more. In, in order for anything to, we'll be nudged, essentially, 
And, yeah. and behavioral science is really based around that nudge theory, that the way an environment is set up is going to influence our behavior more than we are consciously aware of. That nudge theory is going to set up an environment to lead us towards a particular uh, product, item or purchase. Having it at that level, having it highlighted. Interestingly enough, in behavioral science, we look a lot at what drives people's choices and people's habits. Because at, at our own conscious brain, we make these shortcuts. We have what's, if we were to think about every single decision that we made in our lives, we would become completely overwhelmed. If you were to think about everything that you do, how you drive a car, like take driving a car as a classic example, yeah. Matt. At the very, very start when you're driving a car, you, did you get taught by a, a family member? I did, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I won't bore you with the story. <laughs> <laughs> so I was taught to drive a car by my dad in fields in rural Ireland, okay? okay? And you were taught how to drive a car, but at that stage, your conscious brain is being completely overwhelmed with so many different options, so many different things that you need to remember. You're putting your gear stick in, you're trying to get the clutch at the right level and press the accelerator at the correct time. Don't even talk to me about indicators, wipers, or <laughs> you're just trying to get the bloody yeah. thing. Moving, okay. That's your conscious brain working on overload. And if you're anything like, I would say 90% of people, you will end up becoming overwhelmed, giving out to your, your family member beside you, and effing and blinding because we can't compute all of this because i remember I was, it well yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so our conscious brain becomes overwhelmed as time goes by we build in habits mm. we build in habits to make this driving easier so now i get into my car i could be 30 miles down the road before i realize what i have done you could ask me what did i do why did i do it i do not know because i have built this in as a habit. My unconscious brain has taken over. So now I can I can have phone calls in the car. I can listen to radio, podcasts. I can do so many different things while I'm doing it because my brain is looking for these mental shortcuts called heuristics to help me make decisions, okay. right? So now what's happening is, sorry, go on, are you going to say no, something? No, I was or, just, I was, the heuristics thing, the, the thing you, that sprung to my mind when you talked about the path of least resistance um, we have, I was cycling with my daughter, right, the, this morning to school. And so she's 13 years old and she's wanting to learn to cycle to school, right? So 8.30 in the morning, it's not the best time. So like dad's with her for a few days just to see how she does. And we cycle down this road that's got this beautiful sort of um, path that has been designed by a landscape designer. And this path kind of meanders along the side of the road and the designer on his piece of paper drew it uh, with some lovely squares and rectangles. And it looked beautiful on the piece of paper. And so the path kind of goes up, then is at a right angle, and then is at another right <laughs> angle. But you see the grass in the middle, right? It's, you're talking two feet. People can't walk two feet to the left, then two feet north. They're going to walk at a right angle. And so the grass was worn through at 45 degrees. You know what I mean, right? These sort of paths. This is what you're talking about, the path of least resistance. It's like, this is going to save me like a millisecond of time because the straightest line between two points is, do you know what I mean? It's straight, or the smallest distance between two points is a straight line. So let's go that way. And, and, you, and is that what you're talking about? Exactly. And this is where e-commerce becomes informed. 
Because now take that example that you've just talked about. We want in behavioral science, we look at why we look at choice theory in this and we look at how many choices, how many steps you need to make to, in order to get to your goal. Yeah. And that, that's a really good example that you described there. People, in even though it's only two feet, people are taking that shortcut in order to get there. And there's a reason why you can now buy things on Amazon by clicking two buttons. Mm. That is really, really important. And, and Amazon obviously is, is, is a very, very refined model and a refined example of that, where the steps required for you to purchase are so, so few. Yeah. Now, the little example is a little bit different because what little are doing are saying, hey, I don't just want you buying milk. I want you buying a drill. I want you buying yeah. a bottle of wine. I want you buying a steak. So these are two separate things that we're talking about here. The little example is hoping that you will revert back to your unconscious brain taking over, that you will be susceptible to some of the prompts and nudges that they put into their store. Yeah. That, and I'm not just talking about literally, I'm talking about every single shop worth its all. In fact, little is probably a bad example because they don't have the music. They don't have the the customer service agent coming up to you, asking you questions. They don't have the nice lighting. You go into some of these stores and you will be nudged towards particular consumer behaviors. Now, if we go back to heuristics and we go back to the driving example where I have now engaged my automatic brain to drive a car, this is a habit. I'm not thinking about that anymore. Habit is a really, really interesting phenomenon in behavioral science. Habit is saying, I'm not going to think about this. I'm just going to do. I'm removing a step from this. I'm just going to see something and I'm going to act on it. That little gap in between called thinking, reasoning, choice making has kind of been removed from that. Okay. There, was really, there was a really interesting study carried out looking at popcorn eating. Okay. Okay. okay right. I'm intrigued. So we, we ship yeah. our products in popcorn. It's a packaging material. So any any popcorn stories, I'm intrigued. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna love this. Okay, so we were looking at the power of habit, and we were looking at how habit can influence a person's consumption of popcorn. Really simple, really simple, nice experiment, and looked at how people, uh, whether they went to the cinema regularly or they didn't go to the cinema at all, okay? So it categorized people into that. And they gave them a, a bowl or a you know pot of popcorn as they went into the, into the cinema, okay? And even those people who regularly went to the cinema and weren't rating themselves as that hungry, ate more than those people who didn't go to the cinema at all. Now, why did that happen? Okay, uh, I'm intrigued, well, yeah, tell me. So. People who regularly went to the cinema and consumed popcorn weren't even that hungry. So that this rational brain to say, I am hungry, therefore I'm going to eat, wasn't in operation at that yeah. point in time. Their system one, their unconscious brain was the one that was taking over. It had hijacked, just like when I'm driving my car. It is the one that's saying, you just do this when you are here. When you're in the car, this is what you do. For, for about, I'd say, eight months, I developed a really nice habit of smoking when I was in the car. Nowhere else, just in the car, I would smoke because I paired those things up. And I'm a fucking behavioral psychologist, you know? <laughs> How does that, is this why, is this why um, when I, if I crack open a packet of chocolate biscuits, I am just literally going to eat half the packet without even thinking about it completely 
So this, and, and it's probably when you're sitting down, relaxing. Yeah, watching, yeah I'm watching TV. So you've paired those two things up. You're relaxing. You actually said, I'm relaxing on front of TV and I'm chilling out. And that environment, that environment of being on your couch watching TV is the environmental cue to say, you don't need to think rationally about this. The biscuits are there and you're nudging your own behavior towards eating more biscuits. Yeah. So that's the, the, the person who was eating more popcorn wasn't even thinking about it, but they had built up this habit. Just like when you have yeah. practice driving, practice driving, your rational brain isn't taking over. Your automatic brain is. Now, when so, I go to... So yeah, if, go I, if I bring this back to e-commerce, um, one of the things that uh, I see it, occasionally you know people come to me and they say listen can you review this website so we look at their website and one of the things that is quite common is you have what i call the standard amazon e-commerce design it's the one that we have all become super familiar with like mm -hmm. over the last 20 years or however long do you know what i mean we've we we know that that's where the image is we know that's where the add to cart button is we 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 this is just something that we've done a thousand times yeah. And so somebody comes along and says, well, actually, I'm going to put the image there and the add to cart button on the other side of the page. And and it just feels wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But they, they're like, oh, we just want to cut it up and be different. But is is that helping them or is that hindering them? There's a really good reason why so many websites have now taken to put in stories at the top of their website. Yeah. You'll see more and more websites now have taken that Instagram model of a story followed by a story followed by a story. Yeah. Or you see so many video websites almost taking the template of YouTube and transposing it on. It's a mind map for us. Yeah. And it takes those habits that we have developed on one platform and trying to model that environment into another. Mm -hmm. If I were to take you onto my couch and you were to sit down and watch TV and I were to put a packet of biscuits on front of you, it's very likely that those habits would kick in after two or three episodes of a line of duty. You know, <laughs> you, would, you would still be halfway through your Jacob's digestives. Yeah. So, it is, it is, our environment influences our behavior so much. And that applies to the online environment as well. And there's a really good reason why people map successful websites onto their own, because we don't want to have to think about this, Matt. When I go onto a website and I am motivated to purchase something, I don't want to be fluting around looking for the, the picture or trying to, to, to meander or navigate through a new system. Yeah. I want to take the path of least resistance. I don't want to have to think about this. I want to just get to my goal as quickly as possible. So when you're modeling that on an existing website where somebody has built up the habit mm. of using a platform like Amazon, you're already starting to feed into their system one. Unconscious. So you're making it easier for people to buy and less difficult. And that is a good thing. It's not exactly. a bad thing. It's, it's, no. it's because, you know, there's the argument, should I stand out from the crowd? Should I be different? And the answer on this occasion is just do what people are expecting when they come onto your e-commerce website. Unless it's really behaviorally informed, if you've come across a little nugget that you have found, you know, I have this typical environment, but I have this slight modification or nudge that actually works better, that's behaviorally informed, that, that makes things easier for somebody. Um, that makes things more salient, that, that nudges them towards a particular uh, call to action. Uh, but I, I would be advising that actually where you have a familiar environment, there's a reason why all McDonald's tend to look the same. There's a reason why 
all Boots and Tesco's look the same because they're feeding into that system one habit-based um, focus for, for people. Yeah. And, and we, when, when I walk into a Tesco in, our, in Dublin or in Liverpool or in London or in Galway, I know where to get the shower gel. I know that it's going okay. to be in a particular spot yeah. and that helps me because I'm not going to be overwhelmed. Am I going to go to a local shop where I'm not sure where things are and I have to ask somebody and they're talking to somebody else and I'm waiting for them? No, I'm going to go to, to the, towards the path of, of least resistance. That's really interesting. So what are, from your, because you, you have an online site, right? You have your own website. In fact, last time we talked, you were just about to redo it or in the process of redoing it. We're still in the process of redoing it. <laughs> <laughs> so what? A, well, it's always the last one to get done. I am oh, very aware yeah. of that. Um, what are some of the things then that you would pay attention to when designing a website based on um, behavioral psychology? So, so what you want to do is make sure that people understand what your website is about very, very quickly. Um, and that they know that they're primed. So priming is a really interesting concept. Uh, okay. priming, priming will influence our behavior and it will prime. So I'm trying to think of a, of a good example. Uh, do, 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 do. Priming, priming is just a reminder before you go into a particular setting that will influence your behavior. And priming on a website will tell you straight away what you're about. Okay. You, and, and I wouldn't have that too wordy. And the reason I wouldn't have it too wordy, and I'm, I've been guilty of this, I've made this mistake many a time. As a, as a psychologist, we tend to be very, very wordy people, right? But uh, when you're designing a website, that user experience should not be overwhelming. It should not engage your, your conscious brain and have you cognitively overloaded. You shouldn't have to think. You shouldn't be that person who's learning to drive and getting overwhelmed by oh, how much information are you yeah. giving me here? I've just got into the car. I've just got onto your website. Give you the best websites are those with lots of white space. There are ones with lots of visuals, and there are those that have, I suppose, icons and bite-sized chunks of information that help you decide where it is that you want to go. So one of the things that we're doing yeah. on our website is funneling people. It is saying, what exactly are you interested in? What is it that you're you want to? You're asking that quite early on on the website. Aren't oh, you? Ab absolutely. Yeah. Think Think about, go back to my initial point about motivation. Our behavior is influenced by what, what motivates us. Mm -hmm. Our behavior is influenced by consequences. If I don't understand at the very, very start, when somebody comes onto my website, what do you want? What is it that is motivating you to be here? And if I haven't got a call to action, so I haven't given, got you to click on it, to actively engage with the website very, very quickly, it's not likely that the person is going to build up momentum to, to engage with the website. Sure. Some really good websites ask questions at the start. Okay. It, well, and that, that helps starts to build this uh, momentum by asking those questions. So now I'm engaged with the website because you're understanding that's the thing. That's my pressure point. That's my pain point. You have now engaged me in a conversation and you're looking to help me rather than saying, here are all the things that we do. Here's all the stuff that here's information about our site and about our products. It's saying, no, I'm not interested in telling you all about me. I want to know more about you. And it's asking you a question. And it's doing that very, very simply from the very, very start. Yeah. And as you start to say, like, think about it like a date, Matt, right? If you're ever on a okay. date and continuously It's been a while, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Me too, me too. But let's try and go back a few years. Maybe Joy Division were playing, maybe like matches were going on. You know, everyone under the age of 20 have gone, who? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but think about it, think about it like a date. If you're on a date and you're you're sitting across from somebody who's only talking about themselves and how great they are, you're not going to be really interested in a second yeah. date. Okay, so your website needs to ask the person, tell us a little bit about yourself. And once they say, I am interested in X. Yeah. So website needs to engage you and ask questions to understand a your motivations, but also to get you active on the site to say, well, actually, here is some here's some ways that we can solve your problem, but not straight away learn and ask questions about the person first and that can be done really simply click this button if this is what you're interested in go here if this is what you're interested in maybe here's a a pain point for you this is where you'll go and slowly but surely you're building in that information you're not putting it all onto that home page and saying we can do everything for you and here's loads and loads of cognitively overloading information it's saying hey we're here to listen we'll let's get you engaged and, and we'll start the process and so simplifying that, lots of white space, making it really simple, building that momentum. I like this idea of, you know, mm. you, you're building that momentum uh, with people. I think it's quite, quite fascinating. So that's the homepage. How do we, how do we think about behavioral psychology, say, on a product page? Yeah. Okay. So if you're Because talk- this is where the rubber hits the road, right? I mean, this is, once they're on the product page, are they buying or are they not? You know, it's a big yeah. question. Yeah, well, we'll think about it in terms of pricing. If we, you've heard the term anchoring bias, right? Yeah. Or, you, anchoring. So anchoring is, is is really grounded in behavioral science. It's saying we don't necessarily look at absolute values, but we base value on a reference point. We base value on a reference point. What is we understand whether this is good value or not by what the alternatives are. Yeah. So many websites will have a, a you know a bronze a, a bronze product, a silver product, and a gold product, which yeah. is really priced high. The reason the gold product is there is to make the silver one look best, yeah. and more people will go for the silver one. So that that will anchor your your process. What has been really interesting around the pandemic, Matt, has been the huge uptake in people engaging in e-commerce, people purchasing online who never did that before. Going to the shop now is a bit of a drag. Let's be fair. It is. Yeah, Yeah. we're used to shopping online. There we have. Uh, I, I was in I was in a, a deli. Uh, I don't know if you have them in the UK. A deli is like a sandwich bar in a in a centre. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Dublin. Sandwich bars, yeah. And I was standing in a queue, and there was an old woman. She was telling me she's seventy five, and she's from North Dublin. And she was saying, "This whole bloody thing's a pain in the hole, isn't it?" <laughs> and she was wearing her mask, and she was like, "Can you hear me?" And then I was like, "Of course I can hear you." And she took down the mask. These bloody masks. Are- <laughs> I used to love going to the shop and she put it back on and I said well we can chat away here we were both wearing masks I can't even see it through me bloody glasses because it's all fogged up so it was this thing of the the effort yeah. behavioral effort to go to the shop has increased yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's the barriers definitely there are more barriers mm. so what what has happened now is people have registered more often to get onto e-commerce websites. People have had to get the the biggest barrier to people 
actually engaging with e-commerce was the hassle of putting in your name, putting in your postcode, putting in your, your setting up your account, giving your email address, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that behavioral effort probably has been removed during the pandemic if somebody signed up to your website and engaged. Mm -hmm. So once you have a consumer in there, that one click model of purchasing is really, really important. You see the, the upsells that come on, on websites being really, really useful. And again, that can feed into this habit point that, that's, that's there. If you, if you think about the, I, I talked to you a little bit about reference points, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm gonna tell you a wee story about that, okay? So you have, have you ever looked at a podium in the Olympics? I know we didn't have the Olympics this year, but if you look at the podium in the Olympics, Who's the happiest person on the podium? It's the gold medalist, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, top of the who's, tree. Who's the second happiest person on the podium? The bronze guy. Bronze guy. Because their reference point is saying, well, actually, I could have come forth and not be here at all, but I'm happy. Whereas the silver medalist is thinking, well, actually, I could have been first. I could have been the best in the yeah. world. So that reference point has a huge bearing on when a person reaches the sales point, you don't want to have any barriers there. And, I, and I'm, I'm assuming that 99% of the e-commerce websites that you deal with have membership models, that they have people who have signed up, they log in, and now they can you have saved their details and yeah. they can just That is massive. That it's is important. absolutely yeah, massive. Yeah. It's, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Can I take a slight tangent? You said something earlier. Uh, just a few seconds ago, and I wondered uh, what your opinion is on this. Yeah. Now, uh, you talked about upsell. So I've seen two different types of systems, okay? Yeah. I've seen a system where you you go through the traditional shopping card, and in my shopping card is, uh, I don't know, what have I got here? I've got my, my water bottle. So I've gone and water, bought a water bottle, and then it comes up and it says, customers who bought that also bought this, like a yeah. bag or whatever. And so you kind of go, okay, well, um, yes or no, I want that. So that's the traditional way, and I've seen that a lot, and every website sort of does that, mm -hmm. or at least should do anyway. But then there's websites whereby you have got to the checkout okay. and just literally by the, the final button, it, you know, you've gone through the checkout, you're just about to click the confirm. There's a checkbox which says, add to my order this. It's usually 60 pounds. It's... For this one-time only deal, it's now 20 quid, but it's literally right at the end of the checkout, right? So it's not, it's, it's, it's not before, like the customers who bought this also bought that. You can see all that before. The, they only show you this literally just before you, you hit the checkout button. And then I've also seen it whereby they show you that same offer, but after you've hit the checkout button. The idea being, oh, we've got your credit card details. You've already purchased and maybe you're thinking about this now as a second transaction, so you're not adding the, the £10 to the £5. You're seeing them as two separate things. So we're going to show you uh, this offer and say this is like valid for the next 60 seconds. Click here. to. We've already got your credit cards um, details. So you don't have to enter those again. Just click here and we'll, we'll ship it out to you, making it super easy. And I've seen these three different types of upsells. And mm. so from a behavioral psychology point of view, what – how do you approach that? What do you what do you think to them? I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, it sounds th that some of those websites are feeding into this this human motivation that is driven by loss aversion. OK, so we are predisposed. We are 
we've evolved to try and avoid loss as much as possible okay so we have some sort of ne- we have negativity bias think about cavemen right i'm gonna i am gonna answer your question I, and it's it's gonna come be, I, it's not gonna be but a we've simple answer we've gotta start answer, with right? the cavemen first no that's fine you know what that's a t-shirt slogan right there and if someone's listening yeah. and creates that t-shirt i need a copy of it you know i, I need one i'm a size large just send it to me <laughs> So a caveman is sitting down and he's on his e-commerce website, you know. No. So you have cavemen and we are driven to be uh, wary of of things that could pose a threat to us. OK, yeah. so we pay more attention to those things that are that would pose a threat to us. OK, yeah. so we would have this negativity bias. If somebody gives you negative feedback, Matt, if we are going to like you have let's say this podcast goes out and a hundred people say to me, that was really, really good. And one person says, that was a piece, that was a piece of shit. I'm going to feel more, that's going, that's not just going to have 1% of the feedback that I got. That's going to have more weight because it's negative feedback. So we tend to take negative feedback more. Loss aversion feeds into this. We don't like losing. In fact, if I were to, there's been lots of research in behavioral science around this this concept of loss aversion, that we are so averse to losing something rather than making it that in order that for somebody that that lots of lots of, of direct studies have have come together and there was a meta analysis that said, in order for me to to wrangle ten pounds off you in a bet. I would need to offer you odds of 2.1 to 1, okay? So what that means is if I say to you, Matt, I'm going to, uh, there's a 50-50 chance that you're, that, that you're going to win. I'm going to toss a coin. And if you win, I'm going to give you 10 pounds and 10 pence. And if you lose, you're only going to get, you only have to give me 10 pounds, right? Yeah. If I say I'll give you 11 pounds, you're going to say, no, 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 I'm going to lose 10 pounds. But there's a 50-50 chance. Yeah. 12 pounds, 13 pounds, 14 pounds. It goes, typically people won't even engage in that risk until it's over 20 pounds. All okay. right. Because we are, we are, we find loss so aversive. We okay. don't like missing out on opportunities. So loss aversion is what's feeding in there. They're saying, hold on a second, 60 seconds to, to buy this. You're going to lose out if you don't get it. Yeah. This is where those you see, uh, you know, infomercials saying you need to 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 purchase. We are averse to loss. Now, if it's something that I want to purchase, yeah, maybe that that loss aversion that it's so aversive to miss out on that opportunity that's going to motivate my behavior to purchase. I don't have a direct answer to your question. I think that where if we go back to this path of least resistance, if we think about the less amount of steps towards a purchase being made, I think that having it before the purchase is probably wisest because you have already engaged people in a number of different steps to get there. That just before the purchase, if somebody is at that that contemplative stage, but they have taken action in their plans to purchase this and they've put in their details, well, then we've built up some behavior momentum. Yeah. I would put it in beforehand. If you put it in afterwards, you're asking somebody who's already got, they've got that dopamine release of a purchase. Okay. We've got, we've achieved our goal. And now you're saying, oh, actually, hold on a second, revisit this and go and buy again. I think you're you're building momentum by having it just beforehand. That's, that's, I'm only taking as many different pieces of, of behavioral knowledge that I can gather. And that's, that's what really I would do. Interesting. I say that's really interesting because I think that's 
for me, it's the thing, it's one of the things that I've noticed happening more and more on people's website is this doing the upsell, the offer, literally right at this point, just you build up this momentum, you're just about to hit the buy now button. You don't have to do anything other than check the, tick this checkbox. So the barriers to entry are low. Um, yeah. And it's like, yes or no, do I want to click that and then click the checkout button? Or do I just want to click the checkout button? And it's, yeah. it, I see it more and more. It's really, really fascinating. Really fascinating. Yeah. So I, I'm intrigued by your thoughts on it. Sorry to throw that on you there, but um, it just came out no. when you were talking. I saw any, any, any opportunity I have to tell a caveman story, Matt, I'm happy to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's loss aversion. And that's where we, we have negativity bias. We, we are more, we were more in tune to uh to negative feedback because a caveman if they saw something that posed a threat to them mm -hmm. that that threatened their survival and this has fed through our evolution evolutionary behavior to to now where we if we see feel anything to be a threat to our own self-worth or self-image or self-esteem that can evoke the exact same fight or flight response within us is that why do you think let's take the beauty industry which is an industry i know very well um so there are two ways. Yeah, 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 you can tell, right? I'm only 12. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, <laughs> um, but it's the industry that I've been around in for a while. And what you see in the beauty industry, I think, are two ways to approach selling beauty products. Okay. So way number one, which has been the traditional way for years, which I think people are now sort of rallying against, is the... I'm going to show you a picture of perfection, which you clearly aren't. Um, and then I'm going to tell you the product that this person has got to give them that perfection, right? And so you can buy that product. The idea being that if you want to look like this, you have to use this product over here. And so the beauty industry has done this for years, I think. Um, whether it's Photoshopping images, whether it's using beautiful celebs to market their product, whatever it is, that's the way it's worked. Mm -hmm. You've then got this sort of emerging trend um, in the beauty industry, which I, I subscribe to on a mental level. I just don't know if it's got the momentum. And this is the Dove campaign for real beauty. This is, no, we will not conform to standards. We are our own people. We are fantastic. And that message is the exact opposite to what is traditional beauty marketing, but traditional beauty marketing is still strong. And so mm. I'm just wondering, is that, be have I got this right? Have I understood you right? This is because it's easier to sell on the basis of pain and loss than maybe this, which, you know, the other side is not about pain and loss, is it? This, the, the traditional side is. There's a, there's a whole host of, of different things contributing to that to that change, I think, Matt. And mm -hmm. and it, you're looking, you're essentially what the beauty campaigns are trying to do is say is trying to boost their their product profile and trying to sell more products, right? That's that's the basis yeah. of, of it. Advertisers don't do that for any other reason. Now, there's if if you go back to to uh, look at this through behavioral science, you will see. I mentioned before about our, our rational brain and our our unconscious biases that are present, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, if I were to sit down and say to you, Matt, I've got this product. I've got this product that costs 10 pounds a day to, to feed. And 
you're going to say, wow, tell me about it. And I said, yeah, it's not great for your health. In fact, it can lead to, to long-term health complications. You're going to say, right. Um, and it's going to make you smell. Um, it's, it's, it, it's not really going to make you uh, feel great about yourself in the short term or in the long term. Um, it's going to make your teeth yellow, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? You're going to say, buddy, on a rational level, I'm totally not going to buy that. And then you come to me and you say, actually, what I want you to do, P, is I want you to sell this for me. I'm going to say there is no way in hell, A, first off, that I'm going to sell this product for you, right? But if I had to, you are going to go down the madman route. You are going to say I'm going to appeal to a person's unconscious biases. I'm going to appeal to what we call pairing in behavioral psychology, the power of association. That you can't appeal to any rational person and say, yes, buy cigarettes. These are, the, there, is, there is some benefit to them. You just yeah. can't do yeah, that. Can't do so, so what they do instead is they pair cigarettes up with car racing, with sporting events, with models, with, uh, they use nudges in shops by having them behind. This is what traditionally would have happened. They would have had attractive packaging. All of this is based upon your unconscious biases. It's based upon pairing that up with something pleasurable because ultimately cigarettes aren't going to be that pleasurable. But you see this for particular, uh, you see this for all of the vices really, you know, that they will appeal to that emotional brain on that emotional level. Now, the beauty industry has relied on that for so long. It has said, we are going to pair our product up with the best looking model that you can see. It is pairing this product up with the most fantastic views of Saint-Tropez. It is going, (laughs) you know, it's it's not to have the likes of me advertising any beauty products, okay? But what Dove are doing is they're appealing to system two and they're saying, actually, you know what? We credit you with being rational uh, beings, that you are thinking more about this. And there's certainly a movement towards this. People are more conscious. You'll hear conscious, yeah. conscious buyers, that people are now thinking. They're not just automatically buying. And, and lots of fair trade dealers, you will see ethically sourced foods. You will see a divestment from fossil fuels. You will see people not just making these purchases upon these unconscious biases, but now people are becoming much, much more aware of where their 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 food is sourced from, where their what their product values are. Yeah. What is the values of the company that I'm buying for? And Dover saying, well if you're interested in that, we are going to to we are aligning ourselves with this on on that and they're they're saying we now recognize that people are being a lot more conscious so they're not just seeing a stimulus and they're automatically buying it they're not like the person who's just like me when i'm driving my car now not paying attention to it people are paying much more attention to these types of things and i think that's where the the beauty industry is trying to to get to and that's what they're so do you think that's a more successful form of advertising so if you were going to launch your own beauty product for example which which part of the brain system one or system two would you appeal to or would you would you go after both uh if i was launching a beauty product matt uh i think i would go towards system two Let's and that, that's cavemen. from a person <laughs> deodorant for cavemen yeah, yeah, yeah. Why it's a man's range i tell you we, people queuing up now to buy it cavemen yeah yeah, yeah. but but i think uh for, 
my personal values would say that I would appeal to, to system two, to a conscious brain, to say you are now a, an ethical conscious buyer. Um, and, and there's a whole host of personal values why I would say that as well. I don't think making people, f- like my ethical framework in behavioral science is one that's, that, doesn't, that tries not to use punishment. Yeah. Tries not to use a person that we are all we can all be be uh, our, our behavior can be can be changed for the betterment of ourselves. That we are actually that that behavioral science isn't designed to manipulate people into purchasing things that they don't want to. Behavioral science is designed to help us understand human motivation more and to to make to make their lives better. That's what my, my day-to-day work is. And what you're describing there around the, the, the Dove campaign is saying, actually, you're motivated by having a healthier, more wholesome lifestyle, being comfortable in your own skin. This is now more motivating because of the culture we're in. And I think that, that that's where I would go with it. That's, that's what really I would interesting. do. Would... That's really, one of the things that we did, we, um, I remember this really clearly in one of the beauty salons that we had, um, I, I said to the, the, the staff, the team in the beauty salon, I'm like, listen, I want you to go and collect every single piece of material that we have that has a beautiful person on it. And we're fairly sure that that image has been photoshopped. In other words, it's not genuine. It's not real. Um, and I want you to just, if it's on posters, I want you to take them down. I want you to bring it. If it's in magazines, I want you to bring it, bring it all to me. And we got it all together. And then we just threw it all in the bin, right? We just said, right, let's just get rid of that. And mm-hmm. um, and everyone's like, well, the salon's now empty, right? What, what did you put in it? And I said, uh, so what we did was we we went out and I bought um, uh, National Geographic, these sort of photo books they do of just people literally My all man. over the world, right? Just literally from all different tribes, you know, the the most striking photo of a, of a woman, you know, with the elongated neck and all this sort of stuff. It was just just people from literally every tribe and tongue around the world. And we're like, let's get some of these framed. And so we put those books out, the National Geographic books, and we, so we stopped using those images, which was very countercultural. But what we, what we were basically saying was actually, we're, we're, I think the message was much more based on our values and it was much more, we're much more aligned with, say, Dove than we are with, say, Lynx. For example, uh, ironically, both owned by the same company, but let's not go there. And so you're kind of <laughs> like, um, you're kind of like, which which route do we want to go down? The feedback we had from customers after doing this, albeit subtle, um, everyone came and said, "Well, this it just feels a lot lighter around here." Wow. Do you know what I mean? It feels like wow. like it's just a lot happier around here. We've done nothing other than change pictures and magazines and it it just absolutely fascinated me the 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 how i saw it unfold in front of me in real terms amazing stuff we we yeah and and so much of our behavior matt is driven by our values Mm. like you have we we, you've heard the term cognitive dissonance you have okay if if yeah. You, so the, it's cognitive dissonance is this discomfort that we feel when our behavior doesn't match up with our values. Yeah. So we have particular beliefs, attitudes and values. So I say I am a punctual person and I turn up late or I and I'm going to feel this real discomfort. Or if I say I am a generous person and I haven't done something, I haven't behaved in a way that's generous. I'm feeling 
I'm going to feel very, very uncomfortable doing this. So your your company is saying these are the things that we value, even in a very, very subtle way. Yeah. And you're not you're not saying that, but you're saying you're suggesting it through nudges that this is what we value. And that influences so much of the employee behavior, the organizational behavior and the customer behavior and how they feel. And I think that's what you're hearing in the feedback that you got from the customers. Yeah, no, it was. It was really interesting, the experiment. So what we did after that was we went through our website and we're like, let's take all of those types of images off the website and let's use, say, photos of the team that haven't been photoshopped rather than beautiful models. And let's see what happens. And I, I definitely don't have data on this. It's just it's just a fascinating experiment to see hmm, yeah. how, do, how are people buying this? So I, I'm a listen, but I'm... I'm just going to say, Matt, on that, if you take the, 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 that time where those types of, of um, those types of images were used to, to advertise, we had so much less information than we have now. Yeah. So we didn't have any other reference points. We didn't have any social communities. We just had what was fed to us in magazines because that was probably the media that we had and that was it. Yeah. We didn't have any other reference points. 90% of the data ever created in mankind has been created in the last two years. It's the crazy, last two years. It? It's just so, crazy. So, so we can get so many other reference points yeah. to say, well, actually, you know what? This influencer who I only saw on TV is now actually saying, here's me when I'm at home and I don't look like this supermodel and it's okay and it's normal. And I think the, the wider, um, I suppose, environment, the wider uh, social online community that has been created is saying to people, it's actually, it's okay. You're not just being drip fed what is in a magazine or what is advertised on TV. You have so many other reference points now that you can base your own self image on. Yeah. And that's what I think you've tapped into there. Yeah, that's fantastic, Pori. I, I, it's something that I don't think we talk about enough in digital marketing. You know, you talk about digital marketing. How do I do Facebook ads? How do I do Instagram ads? What's the latest silver bullet? What's this strategy? What's that strategy? I don't hear many people coming out and say, be clear on what your values are. Do you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. find people that identify with those values and market to them in a way that connects with them on a value basis. Um, but mm -hmm. this subtle difference, this subtle change stops you being like everybody else. It gives you that point of differentiation. Um, but it's it's a bit soft, isn't it? It's a bit fluffy. It's it's. Uh, oh, no. It gets to the core of what behavioral science is about, Matt, and the way I see behavioral science. Okay. Behavioral science is not a series. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and you see behavioral science is a series of ways that I can nudge and push and manipulate and you know push people towards particular things like like we are mechanical robots. That's not what behavioral science is about. Even though I've talked about our unconscious brain, we are we are we have so much rational choice there and so much i suppose with with this knowledge with this science that we have there is such a strong emphasis on a values base and the values that go with that to help people make the correct decisions that are mm -hmm. going to be be right for them and if i i think you're you hit the nail on the head there when you said that when you are thinking about um about influencing customer behavior your values base is actually the starting point for that. It is saying, this is what our values base is. This is yeah. what we do. And we 
this is this is what you can expect from us. Not a series of manipulations that we can do to get you to buy something that doesn't really matter to you. It, it's not about that. It is saying is 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 respecting choices that people can make and having your values base align with that of the customer. So the customer goes, actually, do you know what? Matt Edmondson's beauty company is something that I really relate to. And I'm not just a passive consumer. I'm an active tribe member here. Yeah. Because now this is this is a group that I identify with. This is somebody who whose values align with me. And once we have aligned values, what's really interesting is that you don't need to start going into the minutiae of behavioral detail. So many things start to 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 line up. Much more macro level of looking at behavioral science is that values base. That's really interesting. Because I would I would look at um, our beauty company, and I would. I would say we have a disproportionately high, um, when I compare it to the industry, it's disproportionately high of our turnover that comes from repeat customers and, right, and long-term repeat customers because it's this connection on a values level where they've gone, we just like Jersey. Jersey's not the cheapest, but we just like Jersey. Jersey's cool. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. And I'm the same way. I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I can say this live, but I, I really struggle if I have to buy something off Amazon because yeah. Amazon's value and my values. Oh, I hear you, bro. Do you know what I mean? They're just, yeah. And I'm like, is there nowhere else I can buy this from, please? Do you know what I mean? That can give it to me. It doesn't even have to be cheaper. If it's in the same vicinity, I'm, I'm, do you know what I mean? I'm more than happy to go and, yeah. and look for it um, because it's a, it is a values-based thing, like you say. And when you find those kind of companies that you can connect with, well, I, I buy from them time and time again, you know, and, and, and I'd much rather do that. Listen, yeah, it's, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation. I'm more than aware of time and I don't want to take up your whole evening. Um, I have one final question for you, um, yes. uh, which is completely off piste, if that's all right. Uh, have you seen um, on Netflix the documentary called The Social Dilemma? No. Right. Okay. I want you to do me a favor. When you have watched this, let's do okay. another call and talk about it because I am fascinated to know what you would think about uh, what they say in this documentary. To give you a, a bit of a heads up, okay. um, it's a documentary about Facebook and Google and Snapchat, the big companies, the big internet companies, um, and the effect that it's having on society. Uh, and what's driving it, the good things, and, and also the bad things. I mean, it's, I think we need to bring a bit of balance to that documentary. You can almost come away from it feeling like I am really scared right now. <laughs> um, but some of the stuff they talk about and some of the stuff that you mentioned about behavioral psychology, I mean, they, I, I would just be really intrigued to know how you, what you think about it. Well, really I, I recently, I recently uh, contributed an article to uh, an Irish publication called the Journal.ie on groupthink and why fake news was spreading during the pandemic. Yeah. Because the WHO, the World Health Organization, called this an information pandemic, that there was so much, so much being, I suppose, so much fake news being shared and yeah. people were, why do people share it? 
not necessarily why they create it. That's, sometimes that's just development, but the actual sharing of it really comes down to, to behavioral science as well. But what's interesting about when I read, looked into it and I was researching for it was how much of an influence those funnels that, that social media uh, sites put us into to reinforce our existing um, our existing biases, mm. our existing, so this is, and this feeds into polarizing our viewpoint and giving us information to support our existing, um, our existing viewpoint. So if I have a particular viewpoint on the, on a conspiracy theory, if I have a particular viewpoint or a particular political leaning, that social media company is going to feed me more information. You might like this, you might like this. Yeah. This reinforces my viewpoint. That's what I was thinking. That's really good. I'm going to tell you, Matt, you should watch this video that I saw online about exactly what I was telling you about there. Yeah. And there, like I said, 90% of the world's data has been created in the last two years. Mm. So you can literally Google anything and get information you want. If I, if I Google, why why is 5G causing my spots in the morning? I'm sure there will be a, there will be a Google answer for me on this. Somebody will have written an article on it. Yeah, I'm and, and I can get I can get that answer. But it was re it's really really interesting, and I I'm not even sure if that's what the documentary is about. But that's, that's exactly what so they talk about and how it's created these yeah. polarized societies. Because what happens now is you only get to see information because. Um, what was it they said, like Facebook? Facebook's whole premise is to get you to stay on Facebook, right? They mm -hmm. want you to stay mm -hmm. on the app as long as possible. So the way they're going to do that is to feed you data and information which resonates with you. And there are very complicated machine learning algorithms in the background figuring out what it is that you like, and they're going to repeat and show you that information. And so what happens is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you're a Republican, guess what's going to happen? you are going to see Republican data, Republican propaganda, Republican news, fake, real or not, right? If you're a Democrat, you're going to see the same thing. And so in the States, especially, we see this sort of polarizing view now where um, it's sort of rising up that actually, the more I see, the more convinced I'm right, the more I'm convinced you're wrong. And so where there used to be debate, there's now polarization. And it's like, I'm not even willing to talk to you anymore. Yeah, Matt, I just, I, I'm going to, I'm not going to, this is not going to inspire you with confidence, but there's research recently done where looking at when somebody's polarized uh, viewpoint has become so solidified that even when you present with them with counter evidence yeah. of their particular viewpoint, actually that, if, when it, once it's, it's hit that point of being really solidified, it actually reinforces their original viewpoint when they hear counter evidence. <laughs> okay. How fucked up is that, man? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the kind of wow. level that we're getting to now, where people's critical thinking um, capacities are starting to be eroded away by this spoon feeding and spoon feeding of information. And and fa like you mentioned, Facebook's. Uh, Facebook is designed to keep us on Facebook. They have done so many things yeah. based upon behavioral science. They have they have behavioral scientists coming out of their ears, well, designing their web books on it, haven't they? Jeez, they absolutely have. And you see so many other social media platforms copying that exact format, and it's based upon that system le system one level of I don't need to think. I'm just here, and I'm I'm scrolling yeah. through and being spoofed information. Um, 
I will watch that. The social dilemma. You the, said. What, it's called the social dilemma, and it's one of the most fascinating things that I've watched in recent times. I have to be honest with you. Sadaf, who um, sort of works behind the scenes on this podcast, she's the voice mm-hmm. behind the. You're tuning into the e-commerce, the Canadian voice at the start, um, and the, the the lady that you've been in touch with, an email and back and forth. Yeah. She was the one that actually put me in touch with this, and said she just said, "Watch this." We're going to have a conversation. I want to know what you think. And I was like, okay. And um, I've had a few weeks off and watched it. I've watched it like three times now. Because wow. I, was, I was like, this is, this answers so many questions for me about, did, did, yeah, it's just. Did, did Netflix suggest you watch it again? Have Netflix now seen you watch this and say, you should watch this as well? And started no, like, no, putting you kind of, uh, it does. Have they? No, no, they haven't. Um, which surprises me actually. They, I, Netflix have gone. Matt's now. They should. They'll know. Matt's now watched this three or four times. But what I have noticed is a lot more documentaries like that are starting to come up in my feed. Yeah. From Netflix. <laughs> scary, scary uh, stuff. It is. It kind of self fulfilling prophecy. Listen, how do um how do people connect with you? They've listened to the show. They've got involved in it, uh, and they want to get in touch. What's the best way for them to reach and connect with you? So the best way to reach and connect with me, Matt, is through LinkedIn. My name is Podrick Walsh, P-A-D-R-A-I-G Walsh. Um, I think it's Behaviour Support Specialist is, is what is linkedin.com forward slash Behaviour Support Specialist. Um, I, I mentioned to you I do a podcast called The Behavioural Vaccine with Kate Feeney. That's on iTunes and across all podcast networks, and that's released weekly. Um, I run an e-commerce website for continued professional development. That's I run that with a neuroscientist and a clinical psychologist. That's called the Actualize Academy, actualizeacademy.com. And I'm in the process of setting up my own uh, we're, we're rejuvenating Actualize Academy, but I'm also uh, setting up my own website, uh, changeable.ie. So it's all our behavior is changeable, mm-hmm. is changeable. And um, that won't be launched until 2021. So g- get in touch via LinkedIn. That's my favorite way to connect okay. with people. Um, and and that's, that's how we connected. That's how so many yeah. people every day I, I get in touch with them. So yeah, I'd only be delighted to, to hear from people on on that that'd be great so we'll put the link to your linkedin profile and to all your websites in the show notes as well so uh if you if you're driving and you're like i just can't remember any of that just go check out the show notes at mattedmondson.com and all the links will be there i reckon everybody who's listening to the show is going to go check out your website and go hmm right why is he doing that <laughs> <laughs> what's it's what's really, this thinking is really rudimentary, but it will be much better in a, in a month's time, I hope. Uh, so that's, that's where we're at, Matt. We'll see all your little <laughs> tips coming on board. Listen, uh, Porig, it's been absolutely fantastic for me. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And um, I'd love it if you actually come on the show again and we'll, we'll carry on the conversation because there's so much we didn't get into on my little list here of questions. <laughs> it's like, oh, goodness. Uh, it is so fascinating and so practical. Listen, I really, really appreciate uh, you being with us. Thanks so much for taking the time to be here. Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks a lot. Well, wasn't that absolutely fantastic? Uh, uh, Really, really great guy, isn't he? Really, really enjoyed that. So as I said, if you want to check out uh, Porig's information, if you want to connect with him, if you want to know what his websites are, if you want to see more of what he is up to, and why would you not, then check out the show notes at mattedmondson.com. And 
I am going to be one of the first subscribers to his podcast, The Behavioural Vaccine, because I'm sure it's not only informative, but it'll be very, very funny. So there's an entertainment value here, which is important. So check that out as well. And again, we'll put all the links to that in the show notes. So you've got that. But um, yeah, he was awesome. Uh, and thanks again for being on the show. Listen, I just want to say a big shout out and thanks to all of you who are listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And if you know, you fancy joining us on one of these Facebook lives and joining in the comments like Warren did tonight. Why not come along, uh, enjoy and have a good time with us. It'd be great to see you there. Uh, that's all for me uh, right now. So I am, uh, I'm going to get ready to sign out. Thanks so much for joining in. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back again very, very soon with the next e-commerce podcast. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, tips, and tools for building your business online.